we need to see nurse anesthetists of color published and we don't mm-hmm. we need to have that we need to see nurse anesthetists of color writing chapters in nurse anesthesia books we don't see that we're experiencing the most disruptive time in the history of healthcare. with this podcast i'm going to connect you with industry and crna thought leaders to help you thrive in these unprecedented times i'm your host randy moore ceo of the aana and this is moving the needle Today, I'll be talking to Dr. Lena Gold, who is the founder of the Diversity in Nurse Anesthesia Mentorship Program. As a result of grassroots diversity pipeline efforts to increase representation, over 570 nurses of color matriculated into and graduated from 82 nurse anesthesia programs in the last 15 years. Dr. Gold is the first CRNA of color to be inducted as a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. In 2019, Dr. Gold was selected as the recipient of the AANA Agatha Hodgkins Award for Outstanding Accomplishment. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Lena, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate you uh, having me here for this nice dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But so I'm really intrigued, and we've had, you know, Several conversations, many conversations, uh, and I've really enjoyed to get uh, getting to know you and the work you and your colleagues are doing. And I've even, I actually had the opportunity to speak at one of the diversity and nursing anesthesia did, uh, workshops. That was that was fun. That was it was fun. awesome. It was at Columbia yeah. University. Columbia. That's my first trip time. to New York City, by the way. I know, and you went to Sylvia's too. Remember that? The, the, uh, uh, I still talk restaurant? about that. I still talk about that all the time. Yeah. So uh, we're okay. We're already off our uh, off our agenda, but we've got to talk about this. So this, that was in Harlem, right? You, yes, was, it was in Harlem. Yeah. Okay. So we <laughs> we uh, we we did the workshop, and then uh, and you're like, hey, you want to go uh, eat some? Was it Sylvia's? You want to go to a local restaurant? I said yes, please. Yeah. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's a historic, uh, pretty um, uh, a restaurant in Harlem district. Yeah. So, I mean, famous people from, you know, in, in the late 70s, I believe that that's when it actually um, was established. But there's so many people that that came through that restaurant. And I just think because we went in New York City and after an anesthesia meeting in a group such so diverse, such as ours. Yeah, we had to go. We had to go to that to that to that particular restaurant. We had a great time. Yeah, and and the food was amazing. I still remember yeah. the margaritas, which I didn't expect would be great, were amazing. And I had <laughs> fried chicken. It was just it was awesome. And I I still talk about this to to this day mm-hmm. uh, when I talk about you know talk to my kids. It's like yeah, you know we should go to New York. I said if we do, we're going to Sylvia's. <laughs> so it was so good. All right, so thank. Uh, that was fun to, to to talk about that, and certainly mm-hmm. was a, a great experience. Mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued, Lena, about the work that you're doing and, and, and how you started down this road, mm-hmm. what, what has led you down the path of being interested in and changing the culture around diversity within our profession? Well, uh, to be honest with you, when I was a um, nurse anesthesia student at LaSalle university in Philadelphia, um, this was back in 2002. So mm-hmm. going in 2002 to 2003, our, the program director, uh, my class had, um, had uh, gave us 
each of us in assignment, you know, anything anesthesia related. So at that time in Philadelphia, they no longer do this anymore, but they had what they called a shared curriculum. So it was LaSalle University, Villanova, Penn, Drexel. We would all um, uh, be together as a cohort one collective big cohort and go visit each other's campus oh. and we would have nurse anesthesia faculty teach the content. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what I noticed within that first year, especially um, was the, it was the lack of the diversity with the, with the uh, faculty, right? Here we are in a city of brotherly love, a uh, very urban city, and there were no faculty of color, nurse anesthesia faculty of color. Um, also at the very so same time, because of that huge, large um, cohort that we were just following each other, we had, you know, I witnessed, unfortunately, a minority uh, nurse anesthesia student that failed out of the program. And um, it impacted her clinical, and I guess it was the academic part of it too, because she was still working full time. And I think mm. that was that's you know that's what I thought that if she had waited maybe another year to get her finances together, then I think she would have been able to you know do this. So, and also by being in those large auditoriums at different campuses with everybody from all these different schools. Um, you know, when, when you're sitting in, in a, with, with a sea of students in the class and there's only maybe two or three nurse anesthesia students of color in each cohort, you know, you just go, okay, I, I don't know what's going on here, right? So I wanted to figure out, I wanted to do something that was diversity related. I wanted to know what the racial and uh, ethnic composition was like, not just locally, but nationally. But it was the national part I didn't understand how I can get that information from. Mm -hmm. So I first had to go to um, Dr. Koss, the program director, and I said, well, how can I obtain this information? And again, this is 2002. No social media. Rarely anybody's like really on a computer trying to Google something. But he told me to contact the AANA office in Chicago. Right. So I called someone. And to this day, I don't I don't even know who that person was. All I remember is I called the office, told them that I was a student at LaSalle. This is the information that I needed. And if they can give me information about the uh, the profile of the um, nurse nurses across the country. And I didn't know it was called like a profile survey. And, you know, they but, you know, two weeks later, I get in the mail. Um, the all of that information that I had asked for from the AANA office in Chicago. So what I did was I took the um, information I you know from the cohorts that I had um, was you know I, I had uh, I had asked them if they could um, be in a survey and uh, the and I put on the uh, graph of the poster on the left side was the Philadelphia cohorts and what the r racial ethnic composition was like right and then on the right side of the um, the uh, poster project was the AANA numbers and both of them mirrored each other. Hmm. They, they mirrored each other. And I, I, you know, and I took photos of, you know, nurse anesthesia students in simulation, you know, um, just, you know, just simulating some sort of um, anesthetic or, or, you know, we were just taking photos. But the thing is, is that even though I did receive and earned, um, you know, an A for the for the project. There was something wrong with it. You know, this is 2002. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. I says, you know, something is just not right. And so I went to at that time one of the instructors that we had. Again, like I said, we would go to different campuses. So one of the courses that was being taught was from about regional anesthesia, uh, was by Dr. Um, Arthur Swirling. Hmm. So after he finished um, lecturing for that day, I went up to him and I told him about my project, the, you know, the grade that I uh, I received. But I said, you know, there's something not right here. I don't know what to do about this. 
And he said, Lena, I need you to, he said, I want you to think about going to an A&A meeting in Boston. And I said, well, I, I didn't know a soul at that time. You know, it was just the nurse anesthesia students in our cohort, you know, and I, I, I didn't know, um, you know, anyone, frankly, you know. So the thing is, is that I, I took his advice and he, and, and before I left, he kept telling me, you're going to meet some interesting people. Right. I didn't know who, who he was referring to. So, of course, as a student, you know, my hotel is 10 blocks away from the main hotel. Yeah, yeah. So, I walk <laughs> in, so I walk in the main lobby of the main hotel yeah. and who's sitting at the main um, in the lobby in this really comfortable chair. But her cane was right on the side. Her cane was right on the side of this chair. And there was a long line of CRNAs, nurse anesthesia students that were greeting her and shaking her hand. And, you know, so, and it was a black woman, uh, uh, seemed like, a, as it appeared, a, a retired black woman. And I asked somebody from the ANA, it's like, who is she? And someone said, that's Goldie Bragman, right? So, and I said, who's that? Mm-hmm. And here I am, was in school for over a year at the time, and no one in, in you know, um, learning in, in, in nurse anesthesia, all of the courses, um, all of the content, and even about the advocacy, no one mentioned her name, right? Mm-hmm. So, and they told, you know, to say that she was the first and only black uh, uh, CRNA that was the president of the AANA. And I was taken aback by that because again, I didn't know. And here's something that was related, somewhat related to what I was doing, but even in, in what I was doing with my poster project, I didn't even know it then, right? Mm-hmm. So I got, I get online, I get online. And then finally, you know, I, you know, I shook her hand and I told her I was so, um, I was, I, I told her that I was, uh, so excited to to meet her as a from one black woman to another black woman to actually see and to, and to know that she was able to become the AANA president. I mean, that just blew me away, right? Mm. So when I went back home and I and our for our next class with with Dr. Swirling, I told him my experience, and uh, I knew then it was at that time that I knew what my purpose was going to be. Right. Um, so he told me, he said, Lena, he said, I want you to do. He said now he said, OK, so now just think outside the box. You need to do what no one else is doing. And I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I was you know, I had two small children. I was broke in the nurse mm-hmm. anesthesia program. I didn't know what that meant. So um, all I kept thinking about was, you know, and I kept thinking about the nurse anesthesia student that failed out. And I said, well, maybe, if, you know, if she had the proper information about the rigors of the program, about how to financially get herself together before she go into the program, maybe about the clinical portion of it too. I said, if I give out this information, um, maybe to, to other nurses, I can do that. So what I did was I asked my uh, Dr. Koss if I can have permission to have the names and the emails of the incoming students of color that was coming in. And at that time, he had, there was five. That was mm-hmm. one of the largest classes in Philadelphia that had minority students. So um, he said yes, and all of them said yes. So it was on a weekend. It was on a Saturday. It was myself and uh, four other C- uh, nurse anesthesia students of color. And we took them out for lunch around the corner at a restaurant. And then we, and this is three or four months before they were actually matriculated. They were accepted, but they didn't start yet. Mm-hmm. So from after lunch, we went upstairs to the simulation lab and we just sat in a circle. And we just ex- exchanged numbers, exchanged information, told them like, listen, you know, um, I think you need to read this information before you go into nurse anesthesia program, a couple of chapters, uh, just so you can get used to the terminology. We, we shared information about the admission process, balancing family and finances, all of that, right? Mm. So, okay, so we did that. And for some reason, again, 2002, the word got out that I was giving out information. So I was 
And, you know, I would have other nurses that would contact me and I would have, I wouldn't call them information sessions, but I would just, you know, invite them to my home. And then we would just go over the information. And I said, look on their website, you need to look for this, this, and this. Um, so we we just made sure that we shared a lot of information, right? So um, when I graduated from, and this was, we had a couple more, graduated from the program, became a CRNA. Next thing you know, there was there was a lot of nurses from outside of Philadelphia that was contacting me about um, my the information that I was given before they they apply. So I asked Betty Walgus. Betty Walgus was the program director at Villanova at the time. And I I, I had, a, and she was one of the instructors too, because she taught cardiac mm-hmm. anesthesia when I was a student. And I said, and I asked Betty if I could have space at her university because I couldn't accommodate all these nurses at my house anymore. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> she said, yes, right? So what I did was um, uh, the information went out and we invited, every, you know, the nurses that wanted to come, they, they, you know, they came, but this time it was different. Um, this time there were nurses from Philadelphia, New York, DC, Baltimore, that was at that event. And, and at that event, it was all newly credentialed CRNAs, right? There was no one from the AANA. <laughs> we didn't have a program director. It was just CRNAs. And we would just then talk to all these nurses, mm-hmm. right? So, and from there, I knew I was kind of on to something, you know? Um, next thing you know, it was more, that that turned into more of a regional effort. And then I did it again um, at another location. And that next time I did it, I had invited Goldie Bragman, right? So I invited Goldie Bragman um, to to, um, to the event. But at that time, we, it was kind of hard to get access on universities because a lot of people didn't know me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, did, I, I wasn't able to do it. So she actually came all the way from Hawaii. Her daughter lives in New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. And she came to visit. And um, she actually made that trip to come speak to all these nurses that came from across the country at my church, Mm-hmm. That you know, we we wow. all this time we have uh, we were not on a campus every single time. The first five years was difficult. The first five years was difficult to find access to make sure that we can have somewhere to just to be together. Um, but she actually came to the to the uh, meeting and it, it was fabulous. It was listen. It was as if we were listening to a history book. Yeah. You know the way the way that she described how she was a CRNA um, back in the fifties, and you know with Dr. Martin Luther King, and she gave anesthesia to, and and she kept saying she told everyone in that room, and I remember this to this day. She said she wanted us to do one of two things. She said one either uh, be very active within the association on the state level, you know, or mm-hmm. hopefully you'll move up to the national level. Mm-hmm. She said, or she said I want you to go back to school and get your doctorate. And at that time, DMP wasn't even discussed at all, mm-hmm. you know. So um, she was talking about dissertation. So she she wanted folks to go back to school for their PhD, you know. So um, and and it's and it's and it's funny because in in that room after that date, uh, I believe five have since gone on to get the, no four have since gone on to get their PhDs. I, I went on to get my EDD. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, three of them in that room became state presidents after that. You know, they, wow. they, you know, they worked their way up. So, I mean, it was just amazing. And then the following year when, um, when I had a, another event, it was um, uh, Terry Wicks, you know, uh, I had, you know, I invited him and uh, I just emailed him. He had just became president of the ANA and I had mm-hmm. asked him if he can come and he, and he responded within two hours. And he said, yes, we'll do it. And Art, Art Swirling said that we could have it at um, at the hospital at Penn. So we did that. And um, Terry Wicks came and he spoke about the advocacy side. 
you know, and that's when, you know, every year after that, I just went to the AANA meetings, you know, mm-hmm. um, I would go to the, our, our state association meetings too, but every year I was at uh, mid-year, I was at um, the AANA annual Congress. I thought that was very important. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what uh, Goldie Bragman instilled in me. And also, also uh, arts whirling. Um, So, you know, they both were advocates um, for the profession. And um, those two especially were uh, mentors of mine very early on in the stages of my own career. And I think that's where the foundation has always been. Um, Even though we're growing as an organization, I know that um, having those two mentors in my life changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in in hearing Lena, the how things have changed since 2001, 2002, and today mm-hmm. around what you're seeing from AANA members relative to their openness to having conversations around diversity and what it's been like to, um, to move that initiative mm-hmm. uh, through the profession over the years, what have been the challenges? What And also on the flip side, what are you optimistic about? Well, the thing is, is that um, when it, it was huge to have Terry Wicks come to, to, mm. to our meeting, right? Goldie Bragman to our meeting. Um, and then starting to have, you know, reach out and go to other meetings as well. Um, in the early stages after that, we had one at Rutgers University. And that was the first time I, I approached uh, Frank Purcell. Uh, and he came to our meeting, and what he Frank, said to Frank, me just, that day. Sorry, I love just Frank. for our listeners, yeah, Frank. Frank is a was a senior director of federal government affairs at the ANA right. for, for for many right. years. Yeah, and sorry from, to interrupt. No, no, no. And at mid in mid year and at the ANA annual meetings, I love listening to him, yeah, and he's, he's fabulous. And um, so he asked me. He said, "Lena," he said, "What do you want me to speak to the nurses about?" He, you know, and, and he said, do you want me to just explain a little bit about what's going on? I said, you know what? I really appreciate if you would speak to them as if they were nurse, nurse anesthetists in that room or nurse anesthesia students. Talk to them about the federal uh, advocacy and nurse anesthesia. So um, it was important that they I knew going in that the nurses didn't know about this information. And it's important that they not, I, I don't want them to just figure out, you know, oh, I want to become a nurse anesthetist. Okay, fine. But there's also the advocacy arm of this, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they're here because of the advocacy, period. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it was important for them to see that. But what changed, to, to be honest with you, was when when we had the when we had Juan Quintana uh, was president of the AANA and he brought really the, the diversity um, uh, dialogue um, uh, up to another level uh, where he was able to um, have actually have a, a diversity um, committee and we a task force. Right. So I was the chair of that. Um, and even before Dr. Juan Quintana was uh, D- Dennis Bless. And when Dennis mm-hmm. Bless was president, he was the one that was advocating for the core value to be added, diversity to be added. So I was there during that whole time trying to um, get the members to even discuss a- 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 about diversity. I'll, and, and me and you both know that, you know, some of the members have had problems with with diversity within the profession. And um, but the thing is, is that it was something that was needed, you know, because of the changing uh, demographics of what's going on in the country right now, um, not just with patients, uh, you know, our potential patients, you know, but also with the uh, the changing demographics of the profession. 
too. That's trying to come in as well. Mm -hmm. So that that level of dialogue has significantly changed and was elevated um, um, from that point on. From that mm -hmm. point on, and because I had extended um, relationships with the program directors, with um, you know um, the state uh, nurse anesthesia uh, association presidents and senior leadership with with, with the AANA, we were able to um, you know um, um, elevate the elevate the uh, dialogue uh, about diversity, but um, also it was important too. It was the socialization of of, of minority. Um, or nurse, nurse anesthetists of color, um, um, nurse anesthesia students of color, to able um, to be able to have that socialization with um, other CRNAs here in, in the in the country. And when I say when I say say it like that, I'm talking about to um, be able to socialize with them, to network with those that have the PhDs, to network with those that are pay management fellows, to network with those that mm -hmm. um, that own their own anesthesia services and who are uh, educators, because that's how you know, once you start networking with um, different people, you know, different research uh, focus, uh, clinical focus, then they're able to um, grow uh, from just having that to other, you know, type of relationship too. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's important. It's uh, it's important that we uh, be able to, uh, you know, have that space where we not only talking about diversity, but also, you know, the profession itself needs to grow when it comes to the workforce, right? So when I say the workforce, and I'm, I'm talking about increasing the representation and, you know, as advanced pain management fellows and, you know, becoming very proficient in ultrasounders, you know, um, maybe in ERAS, you know, be mm -hmm. having that research focus. I think it's important that um, um, CRNAs of color have that um, type of experience and, and exposure so that they too can go to a state nurse anesthesia association meeting, be able to speak about that topic. Um, they too can go to an AANA meeting and you'll be able to see someone um, that, you know, Know, uh, speak about crisis um, anesthesia management of color that's standing there. It's very important. It's not just about having a CRNA stand up to you and talk to you about diversity all the time or health disparities, which is very important. It is vitally important, but it's also important that you see someone of color that's also giving a lecture about, yeah. um, you know, ERAS or, you know, uh, ultrasound or, uh, or um, you know, any type of other type of specialties that are, that are out here that we're not um, in that space yet. Yeah. The other piece, and, and you alluded to this, but just I want to kind of double click on it just for a second, is the importance of having diversity in, in leadership of, of the, or, the state organizations, uh, the AANA, obviously. But I also say when more now than ever, when I have conversations with, uh, you know, the large anesthesia management companies mm -hmm. or employers that employ a large number of CRNAs, the conversation is frequently turning towards, well, we want to develop leadership and, and we also want to develop leadership with an eye towards increasing the diversity right. uh, at, within the structure. So, this is the first time I've had those conversations. This is yeah. the first time this is organically, uh, you know, I, in, in my experience, anecdotally, right. where, you know, I'm talking to a CEO or, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, a, a VP or something like that. And there's like, oh, what are you guys doing about in the, in the space of diversity and leadership? Because mm -hmm. we're really interested in that. Right. And right. I think that's a really promising sign that because in the past, all you have to do is go to their websites and look at their senior executive uh, right. team. Right. <laughs> Give right. you an idea. Right. 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 So right. those conversations are happening now more than ever. 
They are. And and I'm glad you brought that up because I know I'm speaking, I believe it's in July, to an anesthesia group in another state where I'm going to be talking about diversity and cultural competence. But the thing is, too, is that they got to realize also is that they, in order to attract nurse nurses of color, you also have to hire them, right? right? And I'm talking about making sure that they hire chief nurse anesthetists at, at that site, clinical coordinators. And this is where the clinical coordinators and, you know, the education piece, right? So because on nurse anesthesia programs, you have faculty, faculty, nurse anesthesia faculty that's teaching the didactic, and of course, the clinical educators that are out here too. But I mean, um, it's, the thing is, is that anesthesia groups are going to have to realize is that they need to hire diverse um, um, nurse nurses in their in their own company. But they also got to make sure that these clinical coordinators, chief nurse nurses are out here, too. And they mm-hmm. look like the community that they're serving in, in you know, in their in their own community. So that's 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 vitally important that they do that. Yeah. So tell me about the future. What do you see in the future? What do you, uh, in this area? you know, relative to the work that you're doing with, with your organization or within the AANA or both, mm-hmm. what's that, what's that look like? And, and what do you, well, and how are you planning for that? Well, the thing is, is that ever since, you know, from that poster project and to have, to see all these different cohorts go through, because diversity is all about relationship building, but it's a time, you know, there's a time period for all of this to happen, right? So, you know, when I meet them, they're, um, some of them are in nursing school all the way to CRNA, but most of them are from, you know, um, as a nurse, they, they'll they go right into nurse anesthesia and then, you know, uh, programs, and then they'll graduate. But the thing is, because I've seen so many um, nurse nurses of color um, go through, and this oh, now it's over 600, 600 nurses that uh, came through our diversity program that went to 87 nurse anesthesia programs. So now he, here's this culture change. The culture change now, and I've seen it for the past maybe seven or eight years. Now they are CRNAs delivering anesthesia, but now they're becoming faculty. Right. Mm-hmm. They're becoming nurse anesthesia faculty. They're becoming chief nurse anesthetists, clinical coordinators. They're out here um, right now. One of them that came to our diversity program went to the advanced pain management mm-hmm. um, fellowship program. She was the first uh, black CRNA to actually have that credential. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing is, is that what I see in the future is if once we ha- assume those type of roles and also I know all the programs are mandated, you know, either DMP or, or DNAP programs. But the thing is, is that we also need to have CRNAs of color that have their uh, PhDs. And it's important that new research um, is out here, too, um, with their name on it and that they and it's important. I, I, I see it in, in the future as something that in, in spaces where like right now, how can I put it? There are CRNAs that are out here who have their PhDs and I'm talking about white CRNAs who moved up. They went, you know, they worked as faculty, became a nurse anesthesia program director, became the dean of their, their program. Some of them are deans now, right? But I think the highest one as far as in education was um, Dr. Fo- Scott Foster. He became provost at Samuel Merritt University. He had his mm-hmm. PhD. He had his PhD. So the thing is, is that um, if we can get into those spaces, in those spaces, because we don't see them right now. Um, I think that's that's where, that's the cultural shift. That's the cultural change that we need in order to um, advance, you know, diversity within the whole profession, to be honest with you. You know, so, yeah. you know, once we, once we are able to, you know, make sure that we have this um, in, in our own profession, um, I, I, I think we're better for it, to be honest with you. 
Yeah. And I certainly don't position myself as a definitive expert in the area of uh, diversity, but what that aligns with my thoughts and assumptions. I think that there, I think until we are able to position diverse individuals in positions of influence, Mm-hmm. And, and that would be the board of directors of the AANA. That would be in in, in universities. Uh, that would be uh, in boardrooms uh, mm-hmm. in, in with large health systems and hospitals and, and, mm-hmm. and all of that. There is going to be a it's going to be a challenge, I think, to mm-hmm. to to move the needle on changing the overall composition of the of the CRNA workforce. I think the probably one of the most important steps and challenge me if you disagree. One of the most important steps is to work with intentionality uh, in changing the composition of the senior leadership uh, of, of, of the profession in, in mm-hmm. those kind of key areas. And with that, and as those things change, when you have diverse people involved in conversations, you tend to have more diverse conversations and you tend to have uh, more activities div- uh, avert, you know, directed towards that initiative. Mm-hmm. No, it, no, to be intentional, um, for for every level, I mean, this is this is what needs to happen um, in, in in nurse anesthesia. So when I say um, yes, we need the the you know DMP DNAP uh, nurse anesthetist um, out here that's doing a great job clinically. Um, we need to see nurse anesthetists of color um, published, and we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to have that. We need to see nurse anesthetists of color um, writing chapters in nurse anesthesia books. We don't see that. Uh, right, there's only a few um, that 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 are actually doing this. So, um, so when you say being intentional, it has to be. It, it has to come from from that focus, but it also means too. You don't want to have a, a a performative type of diversity initiative, right? You can, you know, and where you're only you're only going to put a band aid to it. You're only going to do something that you know, it's not really going to change anything, you know, at, 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 at this time, a lot of lip service. And, I, and I've seen that. And I've seen that. But the thing is, is that there's also the the financial co- um, component to it also, um, too, right? So um, when we expanded with the diversity and nurse anesthesia mentorship program, just a couple of years ago, maybe six years ago, we received financial grants from the MBCRNA. And what that did was, we not only did we expand our diversity initiative, we were able now to do pipeline initiatives that was not done before, right? So we went to HBCUs, schools of nursing. We went to Hispanic serving institutions, schools of nursing, and we were able to purchase our own anesthesia equipment and um, to have nursing, nurse, nursing students meet CRNAs where for the very first time, most of them, right? They met, you know, CRNAs for the very first time. We're talking to them about um, um, going into nurse anesthesia. It's myself and maybe on average 12 to 14 nurse anesthetists that would go to Howard University, North Carolina, A&T, Delaware State University. We went to all of these different programs. There's a Hispanic serving institution in Bronx, New York. We went there too. Um, and we were able to not only talk to them, they were able to see us and, and it was a mirror image of them. And, 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 and that blows their mind, you know? So it's sort of like, you know, we're telling them that we came from the same community that you did, and this is what we had to do. And we also put that laryngoscope in their hand too, mm-hmm. you know. And that, and that, and hopefully that will change the trajectory. And it's and and the one thing when you say intentional, I make sure <laughs> when we have our diversity CRNA events for the nurses, and then we go to the nursing schools. I make sure if there's twelve or fourteen um, CRNAs with us, half of them are men. Because I have to make sure I don't, um, that um, the, the men um, 
the male uh, nursing students that are in programs see male nurse nesters mm-hmm. um, that look like them, and that's and, and that's being intentional, right? So and 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 again, um, you'll be able to ne- they'll they'll be able to network with with one another, and you know, and at least now they have someone where they can um, follow up with, you know. So it's definitely about being intentional, but also having that commitment to make sure um, financially that these initiatives are able to um, be strategically planned and implemented, you know. So, but the thing is, is that it's the grassroots efforts always that will, um, that will grow the the organization, you know, to be honest with you. But, um, but yes, definitely it's it's about um, being intentional, uh, intentional, but, you know, it's, it's the financial piece too, because if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have been able to expand our own diversity initiative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, where can where can our listeners learn more about the work that you're doing at the Diversity Nurse Anesthesia Mentorship Program? Well, um, we have a website. Uh, diversity uh, in Nurse Anesthesia Mentorship Program is diversitycrna.org. Um, you can actually visit that right now on the website. But uh, I would like to invite you, uh, Randy, next week. Um, just tomorrow, tomorrow on Saturday, we have a diversity CRNA Zoom information session, right? Mm-hmm. So we have, um, I invited, and it's because of the pandemic, and, and that's the one thing we didn't talk about. Um, because of the pandemic from last year, obviously everything has changed um, for everyone, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had, to, um, we had to convert our face-to-face event that you went to in 2018 to online presence. But we, we, um, we went from two days to now, it's so a one-day, entire day. It's uh, eight hours of content where I invite four nurse anesthesia program directors um, about the, um, and they'll, they'll give out information about their specifics about their own program. Um, there's CRNAs of color that are presenting. Um, one is doing um, a, a presentation on um, balancing family and finances. Very important. We need to know that before we go into a nurse anesthesia program. Um, another one is doing the basics of anesthesia. So um, he does a fabulous job with that. that that's with the uh, te- uh, Hedrick Vernon. Um, another one is doing on crisis anesthesia management. And she, Black woman, is actually doing this presentation. And that's important because, again, at state associations and nurse anesthesia, this, the national um, uh, meetings that I, I have never seen a Black woman do a presentation on crisis anesthesia management. So she's, she, she'll be doing that. I'm doing a presentation about DMP, DNAP, capstone project ideas, right? And they range from, yes, health, you know, health disparities, um, cultural competence, ERAS, ketamine, um, ultrasound. I mean, I mean, if it fully ranges, you know, the, everything that's anesthesia related. And yes, diversity is related um, to, to to anesthesia. And then also, there's a, a nurse anesthesia student panel from all students from six different programs. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of them are, you know, have families. You know, and they're, they're going to discuss, you know, how they're doing it in the nurse anesthesia program. We also have a CRNA that's um, from University of Pittsburgh who is doing a presentation on an exemplar a DMP project that he did on ultrasound. So, again, like I said, we're just giving exposure to these nurses before they go into nurse anesthesia. But we're also I'm also making sure that um, the professional socialization starts before they go into nurse anesthesia. That's what's important. That is vitally important that they get this information, that they meet CRNAs that are advocates for this profession before they go into a nurse anesthesia program. You know, Um, so it's, you know, like I said, yes, the pandemic, um, even with the social justice uh, movement that's that's out here, too, um, for for many of us, we're affected by that. 
And, you know, I have to address that issue as well. And I, I would hope to in the future for even for the AANA that it's if it was possible to acknowledge, like even on the websites or to in the social media spaces, if you can acknowledge Black History Month, if you can acknowledge uh, Hispanic um, um, uh, Heritage Month, if you can acknowledge Pride Month, if you can acknowledge right now, we just finished the month of Ramadan the month of Ramadan. And we do have Muslim um, CRNAs and nurse, uh, nurse anesthesia students in this community. So that's that's what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about diversity, that's that it's great, but we also gotta, we also have to, we also connect it through our different cultures mm -hmm. and we also have to acknowledge each other too. Yeah. So we're doing that. I just hope on the other side, when I said the other side, the profession, um, um, actually acknowledges that too. So yeah. um, right now I don't see it and I, I'm hoping one day it'll be merged. Mm. It'll be merged yeah. and um, you know, we'll be able to have, be in the same space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Lena. And I, I think that, and I'm seeing increasingly uh, with, within the membership and within the leadership of the organization, a real, a real willingness to have those kinds of conversations and to, to do that kind of work. So mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, and, and hopefully we can have another one uh, yes. on, on moving the needle. Yes, uh, yes. Let's let's follow up with that. Thank you so very much. I appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for much being on the show. You know, really enjoyed our conversation. And thank you to all of those who have been listening in on moving the needle. Uh, the subscribers are growing up each listen, which is great. If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. Ask them to subscribe. Like us, and uh, look forward to talking to you again.